You changed what was true into a complete light. This floor is so sticky, I can barely walk on it. You change the truth. If I fall, don't laugh. Help me up. God, help us. If, if I fall this morning, I'm going to break a hip. I promise you. You change the truth of what God said into a lie to fit your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd say that's probably true for a lot of people in this room. That there's some stuff God said we just changed our mind about and changed. Now, now I, I, I want to paint this picture for you quick as I can. That this was a church in Rome. This was not, this was not just a letter written to average people. This was a letter written to church members. This was a letter written to the church at Rome. This letter would be read by somebody, the elder of that church. I mean, literally, they would get up on a Sunday morning and they would open that letter and this would be where their doctrine came from. This would be where they studied and what they, uh, what they navigated their church by, what they run their church and how they, how they operated, who they knew, who the Holy Ghost was. This is how they knew what, according to Romans 6, that we didn't have to live after the flesh. you got to remember, Paul is trying to help these people to understand, according to Romans 8, that there is therefore now no condemnation them that are, out, that are in Christ Jesus. He is trying to let them know, according to Romans chapter number 7, that there are going to be times that I feel like a failure, that I feel like a flunk, that I feel like a piece of junk, that I feel like a messed up individual. There's going to be times that I want to do things and my body won't let me do those things. The things I want to do that I know is right, I'm going the other way and I'm doing those things which are wrong. But he said, those that walk in the Spirit according to Romans chapter number 8 shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh that you and I can live out from under the condemnation of our sin. And Romans chapter number 1 is no different. This is a letter to a church. Now, now, he goes to reading this stuff and it don't sound like he's talking to church people. You know what I mean? It don't sound like, hey, if these is church members, they ain't real good ones. If these is church members, they are messed up. And some of these in the church had these problems. You hear me? Okay, let's say that they that nobody, let's do this. Let's say that nobody in that church had these problems. Why would the Spirit direct the Apostle Paul to write such a letter about these sins? You have to ask yourself, in, 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 the, in Bible study, you must ask yourself, why did the Holy Ghost let Paul write things like this? Why did the Spirit of God direct Paul to do what Paul done? Why? And Paul is trying to make a definite impression on that church at Rome. There is some things that lead to crossing lines that you don't come back from. There are some people in your society that have crossed the lines and they are not coming back. There is some people that God, now don't you listen to me, I know God loves everybody according to John 3.16. For God so loved thee, 
world, that he loves everybody, but there is a person that has spit in the face of God so many times till God literally turns his back to where he sees not that person anymore. There's no place for repentance. There's no place to get right. They had been given over to their own filthy desire, their own lustful flesh, their own propensity to what they know in the flesh. I'd say there are some in various churches across our country that God, that God has given up to a reprobate mind. That's why we have churches now that are filled with sin, that are filled with, uh, with, 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 to the brim with sin that overwhelms in a church. That's why it's okay to, to let people in the church whoremonger and sleep around as long as they're coming and giving their tithes. Listen, you've walked into the wrong place. If you're not looking for a preacher that's going to preach the Bible, I'm not going to preach the Bible. I'm not going to sit around and let somebody do something in the church because you're good at it or because you're, you're paying your tithes in this number and that number and, and you living out in flesh. It does not happen in the world of God. And so God God gives us this list. I've been studying this list a little bit, but there's, there's two categories of people in this list. The very bottom of the page, go to that last verse down there. It's verse number, yeah, verse number 32, Brother Carl. Go to verse number 32. The Bible said, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same. Now, not only do the same. Now, that's talking about those that do them. What is that last, that last little verse, right? That last part of that verse says, but have pleasure in them that do them. I ain't rocking nobody's world, but I'm going to tell you right now. There was times when I was so, I was so right morally that I didn't do certain things, but I would get my pleasure from people that did those things. I am 1,000% against homosexuality because the Bible is 1,000% against homosexuality. I'm against lying because the Bible's against lying. I'm against fornication because the Bible's against fornication. I'm against adultery because the Bible's against adultery. So when I participate in any way, shape, form, or fashion in those things that promote those things and I enjoy them, I am no different according to the Bible than them that do them. Does that make sense? So you're telling me that my TV might really be a problem. I'm telling you that your TV might really be a problem. I'm telling you that the shows you what? Not because it's me, but according to the Bible. Them that have pleasure in them that do them. According to the Bible, there is some things that, I, that you and I might watch that arouse our flesh. And we have pleasure in watching them all, preacher. It ain't that bad, but it is. 
Because according to the Bible, there's some things that God is completely against that He does not want you taking pleasure in. Why? Because I believe eventually those things that you watch will nullify your mechanism within your head that the Holy Ghost has got a a plan to tap on and to tell you it ain't right, it ain't right, it ain't right. And you see your conscience so many times with that garbage that you have pleasure in. It ain't long and you don't care what you do. And it's okay. It's cool. We cool. We all good now. Hey, look, they're doing it and getting away with it. But what we don't know, what we have not yet experienced is not only one, there is a judgment seat of Christ for those of us that believe in Christ, but there is a a great white throne judgment. Those that do not believe that will stand before God, that God will open the books and judge them according to their works. And we know this, that there is no work of the flesh that gains an entrance into heaven. And thereby they will be judged on whatever they've done, good or bad, whether they suffer in, where, at hell, I don't know. But I do know they go to hell. That's maybe a lot of morning before Christmas, but don't let it be. They have pleasure, two categories. There's those that do them, and then there are those that have pleasure in them that do them. Number one, number one real fast, we're going to look at this list. We're going to look at this list real quick. We're going to look at this list real quick. And this list This list is literally what happens when any society no longer cares about the things of God. This list is literally, the Bible said, and being filled, and being filled, and being filled with all unrighteousness. This list is literally what happens when a nation, when a society, let let me say, when a home no longer cares about the things of God. You know why it's so important for you to be at a place to where you get taught the Bible? Because if my teaching, and I'm not saying I'm a great one, but if my teaching and my preaching can can encourage you to see, as the Bereans did, if those things that Paul was saying was so, that, that I could encourage you and give you the desire to open the Word of God and a desire to be devoted to the Word of God. Listen, the only way we're going to live what God says, what God said, is to know what God said. The only way we're going to stay truthful to God is to know what God said in His Word. That's why it's so important to be in a place that teaches and preaches the Bible consistently. Bible said, I mean, I mean, Bible's plain that this is the downfall of any society. Number one, I'm going to give you this. Bible said, being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication. That very first word, fornication, I'm going to try to give you these fast as I can. Fornication. Fornication. Now, we all know what fornication is for the most part. Most of us in this room know what fornication is. Most of us, I believe we could generalize it and we could call it, we could generally generalize it down to sexual immorality. We get our word, this is where our word, it's derived from the Greek word pornea. It's where we get in, the, the, where we live in our English language, the word pornography from. And, and I would say this, let me, let me stop back up and say this, that that is a problem. I, I say a problem. I, I, I would say that is one of the greatest problems that our nation has, period. 
is pornography. That our nation is being destroyed. I know it's a a woman problem too, but it's a man problem more than it is anything. That our nation and our country and mainly our churches are being destroyed from this one vile affection called pornography. Now you may not believe that. You say, preacher, I don't got a problem. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But what you don't know is there's churches all across this country that are weak and anemic in the pulpit, have no preaching whatsoever, and are so tore up by their flesh till they give themselves to pornography day after day, and they cannot live without it. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Fornication. It's what our country, I'll be honest with you, it's what our country is founded on right now. Our country is founded on fornication. Our country is founded on free love. You know why that sign going down the road, the divorce sign, it says four ninety nine or three ninety nine, whatever it is, we'll take care of you. Three ninety nine, you can be unhitched just quicker than you got hitched. Anybody, everybody, see that sign before? The reason for that is we've got this mentality now, I'm going to try the goods before I actually buy them. And so I'll get divorced, and the next time, preacher, I won't make the same mistake. I'll try, I'll try and make sure my spouse, my soon-to-be spouse, is what I want before I actually enter into a covenant before God and according to the Bible what marriage was really supposed to be. And ain't nobody saying amen. God help me. Listen, I, I, look, I had a past. You're looking at a guy that had a past. My wife had a past. We had past it. We was not some innocent butterfly floating around with white wings. God help us all. We know what fornication is. We know what it was. And we now know that it was wrong. And let, me, let, me go, let, me, let, me, let me plainly say this that if you are outside of the bonds of holy matrimony with anybody whatsoever, it is called fornication and it's first on God's list and it's absolutely wicked. It's absolutely devastating in the eyes of God. You hurt the eye, you hurt the heart of God and you destroy and you deceive the plan of marriage for the husband and the wife when you take it upon yourself and you involve yourself in fornication. You completely destroy God's plan for marriage that way. It also says you're not committed to the person you're really, that you're not committed to the person that you're with. You don't love them. You don't, you, you don't cherish them enough to step out on that limb that God has called you to be on and love those people for who they are, not for what they can give you, not a cheap thrill, not a one night stand. I'm talking about loving. I'm talking about the plan of marriage, the husband and the wife, Christ and the church. I'm talking about loving those. Instead of lusting those. It's the number one problem as far as our country is founded upon. Fornication. Free love. I said this, I said, I I read this the other day. This is a great statement. Uh, Sexual revolution is what we have in our country. 
Years ago, they had called the 70s, I guess, the sexual revolution, but that's not necessarily the case. Now, the millennial, the, the group of millennials that has come on, but TJ's group's jacked it all up. The group of millennials that has come on the scene now are far more progressive liberal than anything you'd ever believe. They believe in more things than I ever imagined. They believe in abortion. They believe in free love. They believe in a man and a man could get married and a woman and a woman could get married. They believe in all that. I mean, I don't know how we've come to where we are, but it is a foundational pattern in the Word of God that says any time a society, home, or country is filled with these things, down the tube they go. Now, getting heavy in this joint. It's supposed to be sweet this morning, preacher. <clears throat> fornication. Did you notice this? They were filled with this fornication. Wickedness. Wicked, the Bible said, wickedness, general evil, general evil. Now, I want to say this, adultery is not the same thing as fornication. Adultery is not the same thing. For those of you that do not know the difference, adultery is not the same thing as fornication. Nowhere near, no, never has been, never will be. I was taught as a young child that it was, and even growing up in my teen years, and even on in church, adultery and fornication are the same, but they're not the same. Adultery is that outside of the holy bonds of matrimony. Fornication is that before the bonds of holy matrimony. So when I enter a covenant with God, before God and man, it says, I pledge my love this wife, she pledges her love to me, we enter into the bonds and the sacred covenant in which God had created. Now listen, if you broke that covenant, you're not gone. You're not too far gone. Nobody's throwing you in the trash. God is a God of love and I know that He is. God is a God of restoration and I know that He is. I know that He loved me when I was lost. I know that He loved me when I was saved. Now it's jacked up. I know that God's plan can fix whatever my plans had messed up. But adultery is outside the bonds of holy matrimony. Now, I don't want you to feel like that well, our, our phrase, our slogan, if you would, around here is we are reaching people where they are. We're not necessarily concerned where you've been. Somebody say amen right there. Reaching people where they are, for not, not for where they've been and not because of where they've been, but just where they are. Wickedness, a general evil. Number three, don't you look at this. Look at this. Covetousness. Now, this one right here is going to hit a bunch of Baptists right between I, and we may close after this because we'll probably all be tore up after this one's over with. Covetousness. Me not being content with what I have because I'm discontent with what you have. Me not being content with what I have because I'm dis it's it's the keep up with the Joneses problem. It's that syndrome that creeps into people when you're not content with what you have so because you see others gaining more than you got. You know what happens in my life. When I ride down the road and I see the church has just been open about a year and a half, and the parking lot is exploding. And they got more money flowing in that. I mean, they're rebuilding stuff. They doing all kinds. They exploding. They buying. They 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 making their sanctuary nice. They're helping people in the community. They're doing this. They're doing. I'm not going to tell you that they ain't something in me. Every now and then, it rises up and say, God, I thought we was a Bible church. I thought we was a pre-. and even in a preacher's heart, that this covetousness can rise up. 
when I'm not satisfied with what God give me because my eyes is on my neighbor and what God give them. Jealousy, bitterness, envy, it all rises up and it's bred from a root place called covetousness. And, and, and I believe, I, I believe I, we're, all, we're in Paulden County and we all know uh, there is, there's a certain amount of that that, that just filters through uh, that filters through our life in this, especially in small town America, that we are so prone to look at our neighbor and what they have, and we're not really worried. We're not really worried about what God's given. How many of you know we don't deserve a whole lot anyway? And, and we're not really worried about what God is is giving us because we're consumed. Now this can go. This can go. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this, that grass is greener on the other side mentality. You know what I mean? Their grass is greener than mine is. They have a higher water bill than you do. (laughs) Does that that make sense? Their water bill is higher. They've obviously been watering their yard. Oh, I can't believe that. They just, I've heard this before. I can't believe that. Y'all just act like, I mean, it means, Lord, we, listen, we ain't all the time good. Don't get me wrong. We don't have no halos over our head at the house. We, look, there's times when, when everything ain't right and everything's jacked up and everything's messed up. But, but she loves me and I love her. I love her for who she is. She loves me for who I am. And that's where we stand with each other. She knows where I came from. I know where she comes from. We, we have that within our... Now look, both of us can get greedy with our own time, especially the guy in the green jacket. He can get greedy with his own time. He can get greedy with his, with his own money and it ain't got nothing to do with his own money. It's our money. I can get greedy at times with my things and selfish with my things. But I've had people look at me and say, man, I just can't believe y'all's marriage works so good. I am so mad. If you'd be nice to her, yours would be okay. If you would... At least, if you'd show every now and then some kind of affection towards her, she might be nice to you. A woman come out, I can't believe you let, I can't believe you do all that for him. Somebody said that in church before. I can't believe you do all that you do for him. And she, that's what we do. I, I'm his and he's mine. He's mine. That we're, we're, the Bible said the two became one. We, we're not operating on a scale of his and mine. We are, according to the Bible, we are one. And this covetousness breeds in the hearts of marriages. Listen, you never met nobody, especially earlier on, you never met nobody that had a bigger want problem than me. And I'm still dealing with it. Somebody got a better coon dog than I do in Paulden County, and I'm mad. I mean, I'm ready to sell things. I'm ready to go to the... You believe this or not, I've been to the bank and borrowed money on a coon dog before. Took me years to pay off this gal. I walked in that bank that day and she said, Sir, what are you here for? I said, I need a signature loan. How much do you need? I'm not going to say the amount. It's too much to explain. (laughs) Say, How much do you need? She looked at me. I said, She said, All right, sir. What are you buying? What are you purchasing? I said, Well, I'd rather not say. Sir, we need something to put on the application. I said, Ah, a dog. 
She looked at me, eyeballs got this big around. She said, that dog better make supper at night time. I said, no, ma'am. I said, it does stuff at night, but it don't make supper. She said, sir, what are you going to do with this dog? I said, I'm going to hunt it. You're going to turn it loose? Do you know that you get alone on a dog you are sending away from you? I said, as nervous as that makes me, yes, ma'am. Because in me, there's somebody else down the road that's outdoing me. You even laugh about it, but you got things in your life. You may not win the bank, borrow no money on it, but you got something in your life. Somebody's got better clothes than you. Somebody's got a better car than you do. Somebody's got this better than you. Somebody's got that better than you. Somebody's got this. They do this better. They, and you're so jealous, and it breeds bitterness and envy and everything else in the world. And God doesn't want to do this in your life like he wants to do it in my life. And you don't want to do it in Miss Jamie's life unless he wants to do it in Miss Bree's life. They're their own people. They have their own uh, characters. They have their own attitudes. God wants to do in your life's completely different, but he wants you to be content with what he, he does in your life. It's called a good stewardship. It's a good steward. Being good steward over what God's given you to God gives you more. Covetousness. Covetousness. <clears throat> Somebody come play that piano. I just heard the dinner bell. <clears throat> Look at this next one. The Bible said, being filled, uh, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, vacation, wickedness, covetousness. Now I want you to look at this next one. Maliciousness. Maliciousness. This word, maliciousness, is literally a word for concealed anger. Concealed, built up, swelled up anger. Well, preacher, I'm pretty good at keeping my emotions down. Did you know it takes one time for a shotgun to go off and kill somebody because you went postal? Did you know it only takes one time for you to run your mouth so bad that you split a family seven ways to Sunday? It only takes one time for you to cut so deep on somebody that that cannot be reversed in their heart unless an act of genuine forgiveness and repentance takes takes place. The two will never be back in fellowship. Did you know that this maliciousness, it's not just a knife, it's not a gun, it's, it's a tongue. It's somebody taking their tongue and splitting somebody else open. Malicious. Malicious. I'm talking about, I'm talking about malicious. You know, I've, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Somebody burn you. And how many of you have been burnt before? I mean, straight up burnt. I've been that way several times. Been burnt up one side and down the other. And that so made an impression on me till it built up overwhelming amounts of anger that I held back but wouldn't tell nobody about. 
And somebody else would come along in the same field or wanting to do the same. What did you say? A boss. Somebody, a boss comes along. A boss burns you. Another boss comes along. And, and you feel the same way that you felt about the one that burned you, about the one that has never burned you, nor ever said a cross word to you, nor ever made any kind of ill remarks at you, but you still feel that way. I'd say this to some divorcees in the room. There's been some divorcees a long time that had their mate, whoever that might have been, burned them to a great length and great degree, but yet you feel like every mate, every person that God can might bring in your life now, that divorce is final and that, that life has been jacked up, that they are no different than them people before. And what happens is in your mind, you breathe this thought that that man's no different and that woman's no different. They're all the same and they're not all the same. This maliciousness built up inside of you and you don't tell nobody but that concealed anger controls you postal that concealed anger about what somebody done to you about what somebody said to you about what somebody had told you and it, it, it messes you up it keeps you emotionally unhealthy Some of us in here are emotionally unhealthy because of that one word, this malicious attitude within us that we're not mad, we good because we smiling. Listen, those that smiling the largest usually have the biggest broke hearts. But listen, I found out this. That if your heart will get broke and you'll let God put it back together, He'll put that same smile on your face. And But it'll be because the joy of the Lord put back together in your heart what had somebody else had destroyed. And you don't have to live with a malicious attitude. You don't have to live with a malicious thought process in mind. Well, everybody's the same all. They're all this and they're all that. Listen, I, I, there's times I went on and I, I would say things out of, out of stupidity. I'd say things, oh, they're all the same. You know, all them drunkards, they're the same. You know, all them dope, they're the same. They're never going to get no better. They're never going to get right. They're never going to do this. They're never going to do that. And inside myself, I'd been burnt so bad that I thought for sure they was all the same. Malicious. This maliciousness. Maliciousness. You remember where we started? You remember where we started? You know why all this came about? Because somebody changed. Somebody changed. You hear me? Somebody changed. Somebody changed. It's where it started. They changed. Preacher, they hurt me because they changed. You hurt them because you changed. You changed the truth into a lie. You say, what's the truth? The truth is, that God will forgive them because He forgave you. The truth is you've got to learn to hate your own sin far greater than you hate all these on this board. Truth is you've got to look in that mirror every morning and you've got to see that you're just a sinner God pulled out of that place of sin and saved according to the Bible. You're now saved. 
Truth of the matter is, you've got to look inside of you and see what you don't like about yourself and say, I hate what I don't like and what I don't see God in far greater than I hate everybody else's maliciousness. Everybody else's everybody else's fornication. Now, are we against sin in this church? Absolutely wholehearted. Do we love those people that are in that sin? Absolutely wholeheartedly. When you breathe this heart in you that is so hard that you cannot love somebody in fornication, you have not reached, you are not reaching to the depths of your being and being who Christ called you to be. Christ ate with the sinners. Christ dwelt with them. Christ wanted them. Christ met them where they was. We don't hate anybody. We are working out of the Bible to show you that we must hate who we was. And if who we was starts creeping up again, we better do all we can to find us a place for Romans chapter number 6 and die to ourselves and die to our sin because we know the wages of sin, of this sin in ourselves is death. It's a death of something. But when something dies, maliciousness might rise up. Fornication might rise up. Here's what we're going to do. Every head bowed, never eye closed. I wonder if you'd be honest this morning and you say, Preacher, Preacher, God has dealt with me. I don't know what about, but God has dealt with me specifically this morning.